This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. I'm Eric G, and this week we are blowing out the film. There is no reason to rehash OU's 38-35 loss to Baylor, nor Oklahoma State's 27-16 defeat at the hands of Kansas. Instead, we're going to look ahead to what both of these teams can do to get better and whether or not Brent Venables can actually pick up a signature win this season. We'll talk about whether or not a hard-ass coach can actually survive in the world of college football, and we'll take a look back at our picks from last week and our lock of the week and make even more Big 12 picks. But nine games into the season, I cannot believe that I am already trying to talk people off the ledge about wanting to fire Brent Venables. And look, if that is your opinion, if you think Brent Venables should be fired, if you honestly think he isn't the guy, I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to call your names. I don't roll that way. It's not my job to tell you how to think. And it's not my job to try and necessarily sway your opinion. It's just my job to give an opinion, inform you. And if it changes your mind, great. If it doesn't, that's fine too. We can sit down and have a beer and you know discuss sports and, and why we feel the way that we do. But nine games into the season and people are already thinking that Brent Venables isn't the guy without looking at the facts. And that is the... That is the poison, but also the fun that is social media. Because social media gives us an opportunity to react in real time. That raw emotion comes to the surface where we just say whatever we want based on how we are feeling at that time. But it doesn't allow you to look at things objectively. And look, I've been there too, so I am not not calling anyone out on this. Watch me on Twitter, at Sports Radio APD while Twitter is still in existence. Uh, Watch me during a Yankee game sometime. Watch me during a Thunder game sometime. And yeah, the raw emotion will come out. Now, I have the, I don't know, the privilege of being in this business for over 20 years and the perspective where I'm forced to look at OU objectively, but that wasn't always the truth in my younger days. I didn't always look at it objectively, and I haven't always looked at it objectively now. Uh, Ask me about the Boise State game sometime. There is no object there is no objectivity there and I start throwing things. So trust me, I totally get where you're coming from. But if you were expecting Brent Venables to pick up where Lincoln Riley left off from that 11 and 2 record last year and just be able to take what Lincoln Riley had especially on defense, turn these guys into monsters and OU was going to ride the way to ride the wave to the Big 12 championship well that's just not the case that was that was never the case and i too got fooled into that because i picked OU to go to the Big 12 championship and the only reason that i did was because of the logo on the helmet because when you think about it Brent Venables inherited a rebuilding situation it was hard for us to get there because yes, Oklahoma was 11 and 2. But that 11 and 2 was a facade. It, it wasn't real. And give it up to Lincoln Riley for having enough talent on the offense where they could outscore people, but the defense that he left and most of those players are still here aren't very good players. And when Brent Venables was at his best at Clemson, 
He had NFL-type defensive talent, and there isn't much of that, if any, on the OU defense this year. That's why they can't stop the run. Plain and simple, they are going to get their butts kicked on the line every single week because those type because those type of players aren't there. And it doesn't it doesn't matter how hard Brent Venables works them. It doesn't matter how much Schmitty gets them in the weight room. These guys just aren't very good, and it's going to take going through the transfer portal and recruiting in order to get that part of the team better than what it is now. On the offensive side of the ball, and I know Dylan Gabriel threw three interceptions last week, okay? But I think we all know now that he is the best quarterback on campus. But again, if we're talking on the real, we're being truthful. Brent Venables didn't want Dylan Gabriel as quarterback. He wanted Caleb Williams go back to the Alamo Bowl when he made that statement right after OU had knocked off Oregon. Remember the letter that both he and Joe Castiglione sit down and pen trying to, to convince Caleb Williams and his father to stay at OU and play for them. No, Gabriel was a stopgap who just happened to be at UCF that knew Jeff Levy's offense. So you could get the kid, you could kind of plug and play him. You didn't have to worry about learning terminology. And if he was good, great. If not, you were in the process of recruiting other quarterbacks, hoping that they would get on campus to beat him out in the next year, which is where they are right now. You lost three players alone to USC. Um, one of those we just mentioned. The other, well, the other was Mario Williams. That certainly could have helped you out in, in the receiving core this year. Stogner. Man, if Austin Stogner would have stayed, there's another weapon for Dylan Gabriel to throw to. And if Spencer Rattler would have stayed, at worst, at worst had Spencer Rattler stayed, you'd have had a backup with experience. And I, I don't know if Spencer Rattler would have been any better off in Norman than he is in Columbia, South Carolina. Actually, none of us do. I, I tend to think that he would have. I, I tend to think that, that Spencer Rattler, Rattler would have been better in Norman than he would have going to South Carolina just because he's got familiar surroundings. But at the same time, he was probably better. Actually, I don't think there's any probably to it. He was very bitter about those surroundings and being booed and being sent to the bench for Caleb Williams. And mentally, he's a guy that probably wasn't going to be able to hack it in Norman. So a change of scenery, whether he's playing well enough or not, doesn't matter. It did him good mentally just to get out of this out of this setting. But when you talk about transfer portal and all these guys going in, okay, and you're replacing them with guys coming out, again, we're being very truthful today. It's like free agency, okay? It's, it's much like free agency in the NBA or the NFL. When one great player leaves or one really good player leaves, just because you replace them, it doesn't mean that that other player is going to be as good as or better than the one that you just lost, which is the position that Oklahoma is in right now. So you had a depleted, you, you lost a ton of talent on offense, you had a crummy defense, and yet here we are because Brent Venables is making $7 million a year and because we're ticked off at Lincoln Riley, we're expecting miracles and there are none to be had. And the only fair thing at this point in, in to do is 
to allow Brent Venables to just let this thing, or the only thing we can do is to let him recruit, plug what he can in from the transfer portal, and do what he can to get better, and do everything he can to help instill, instill more discipline in these kids than what you have right now. Okay, that's all we can do. And if by this time next year it's not better, who knows? Maybe I'm singing right along with you. Maybe I'm ready to fire Brent Venables. But I'm not ready to go there yet. One, uh, simply because I shot my mouth off and said that he would be an upgrade over Lincoln Riley long before Lincoln Riley decided to go to USC. Uh, This was something that we had talked about on the show and I had talked about with friends who were like, well, you don't like Riley. You can't stand Lincoln Riley. Who who would you want? I said, Brent Venables, give me a guy in here that that at least puts emphasis on defense and at least understands that in order to win a championship, you've got to be able to stop the team on the other side of the ball. You can't just continue to outscore them because we saw way too many times when Lincoln Riley ran into a tough physical defense, OU was going to lose that game. And I had a friend say, well, I'm not lowering my standards. You know, I want Brent Venables out, and I'm not lowering my standards. Okay, well, if you liked Lincoln Riley, your standards were already lower because you were willing to accept winning a mediocre Big 12, but you weren't willing to deal with the fact that you weren't ever going to be good enough to win a national championship because as they're finding out now at USC, Lincoln Riley doesn't care about the defensive side of the ball. And I've said that a million times, but but it's the truth. Could OU have shown more discipline on Saturday? Sure. Could Isaiah Coe have not ripped some guy's helmet off after he'd been stopped at the 15th and that ended up leading to another Baylor touchdown? Yeah. Yeah. He he could have. And and stuff like that, the hands to the face that Andrew Rame had that that, you know, set a field goal back to a 55-yard field goal attempt before the half. Yeah, those are discipline things. And yes, that does fall on coaching. And yes, those are things that Brent Venables is going to have to fix. You just hope that he can get it done by this time next year. And expecting it this year was an overreach on our part. And we got to remember that just because a kid puts on that uniform doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to be the next Kyler Murray or the next Jalen Hurts or, or whoever. And I know you've heard me all this say all this before, but it bears repeating because the chorus is starting to get loud and you're just one year into this dude's tenure and I don't think Joe C is ready to pull the trigger on firing him just yet. And if you're looking for a little bit of silver lining in all this gray, well, here is the silver lining in in, in all this gray. OU's got the number eight recruiting class according to rivals. I think the number six according to 24-7. Now, granted, the, the kid from Austin, the big the, the big defensive end, is going to decommit, and that may knock OU down a few pegs. But if you're one of those that, that believes in the recruiting rankings and lives and dies by them, at least OU's got a top 10 class, and from there, that's something you can grab onto and start thinking that the skies, you know, the, the, the sun is shining a little bit more. As far as OU getting better this year, um, it's just, it depends on staying healthy and playing teams that are not as good as you. And unfortunately for Brent Venables, there isn't really a signature win. You can't have that Brian Kelly moment like he did this week against LSU. Beating OSU wouldn't be a signature win this year, even though 
The Cowboys have been have have been better than OU. West Virginia certainly isn't a signature win, and neither is Texas Tech. What you can hope to do is finish out strong, get to a bowl game, win, and build off of that. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Coming up next, where OSU goes from here. This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Mike Gundy has got a major decision on his hands, and that is who to start at quarterback this week when Oklahoma State takes on Iowa State. Now, you might think that the easy decision is to start Garrett Rangel and let him build off what he did last Saturday, sans those two interceptions. Honestly, thought the kid looked pretty accurate. Think he's got a decently strong arm. Not near as mobile as you need him to be for this current Oklahoma State offense. That's his big setback, is he is definitely not the runner that Spencer Sanders is. And with Oklahoma State not being very deep at running back, you need a guy that can run which is one of the reasons why you've got to take a harder look at Gunnar Gundy this week, starting for Oklahoma State, because Gunnar Gundy is the more athletic of these two backup quarterbacks, provided that Spencer Sanders can't go. And Spencer Sanders still may be able to go this week. And if he can, that's the guy you've got to run out there because he's the one that gives you the best chance to win. And Looking at Bedlam, which is which is coming up here, uh, what, next week? Are we all ready to Bedlam next week? Um, if you ask me who to pick in that game, if Spencer Sanders is healthy, I'm taking Oklahoma State. If he's not, and I know OU's defense is bad, I, I still got to take uh, OU in that game if Spencer Sanders doesn't play because OSU can't run the ball and they can't stop the run either. And if there's a game where Eric Gray might have a chance to look good, it might be against Oklahoma State. And and that's just kind of where things are right now. You put Spencer Sanders in, it's a whole different story. But you got to play Gunnar Gundy this week if he can go because he probably gives you the best chance to win simply because he's mobile. The other thing that you've got to take into consideration is Garrett Rangel can only play two more games or he's going to be giving up a red shirt. And with Spencer Sanders' future in flux, you want that red shirt for Garrett Rangel. You want him in the program as long as possible. And it's better to have a logjam at quarterback than not have enough quarterbacks on campus. See what's going on with OU right now. Oh, which, by the way, OU, I forgot. Uh, Tanner Mordecai gone. Chandler Morris gone. Think he could have used both those guys this year. Um, Anyway, with Oklahoma State... Your biggest concern right now, other than quarterback, is what's going on with your defensive line and whether or not those guys can stop the run. Because the injuries the injuries across the board are piling up for Oklahoma State, and that you just can't do anything about. But two weeks in a row, the way that defensive line has been blocked and you've been able to run on them or teams have been able to run on them, that's scary. And a bad combination. You can't run, you can't stop the run. You're not going to win a whole lot of ball games. So for Oklahoma State going forward, the decision on Garrett Rangel's red shirt, um, that's an easy one. If you can keep him in red shirt, you keep him in red shirt, and you only let him play the you don't you may sit him and you may just go ahead and start Gunner Gundy and you may give him that that opportunity. And then Garrett Rangel can decide whether or not he wants to jump in the transfer portal, but I don't necessarily think the kid will. 
Because if you just explain to him you're starting Gunner because of the red shirt and that you want him here, chances are he'll stay here at, at Oklahoma State. The other thing you got to do for Oklahoma State, uh, look, Ollie Gordon may be great, but you've got to find some way to run the ball between now and the end of the year. And I I don't know how you do that. I don't know, I don't know if you you start, you know, getting a little bit more, dare I say, creative with the run game and, and doing some things with the receivers. I, I, I don't know. But had you been able to run the ball, you may not have beaten Kansas. And you may not have beaten Kansas State, but certainly you wouldn't have had those lopsided losses the way that you did uh, this past week. Which, by the way, speaking of the transfer portal, I want to get into this real quick. Um, if you're a hard-ass coach, like you're a Nick Saban, you can't change what you do just because you're afraid of kids jumping in the transfer portal. Same for Mike Gundy, same for Brent Venables. If there are times you've got to lose it at practice to make a point, lose it. Um, If there are times you've got to yell at a kid because he's not doing what you need him to do, and let's go back to Isaiah Coe. Isaiah Coe certainly uh, needs to be running his fair amount of of steps (laughs) this week to get better, um, then do it. Now, you may put your arm around them and, and let them know, look, the reason I'm yelling at you is because I think you can get better, and if I was disinterested, then we're not having this conversation at all. But, yeah, once you start going and changing who you are, kids can see through it. Mike Gundy, after the Kansas State game, talked about not being as physical at practice, and he thought that that hurt him. There you go. Once coaches stop being who they are, they lose their effectiveness. And you cannot be afraid of who's going to jump into the transfer portal and who's not. All right, on to our picks. It was a brutal week. Brutal week. Uh, We went, let me see, one and four last week in our five Big 12 games. Woo, not good at all. Only win TCU over Tech. We blew our lock, which was Oklahoma State over Kansas Lost the Oklahoma-Baylor game, the West Virginia-Iowa State, and, of course, K-State-Kansas, which brings our record to 11-10-1, which, as far as we are concerned, is a failing grade, and we do our best to try and improve on that this coming week. So let's take a look at this week's games, and I guarantee you we'll get better. If not, do what I always tell you to do. Pick against me. If you pick against me, you got a good chance to win. So go to Vegas, pick against me. All right. Um, we're going to start down in Waco. It's a 6 p.m. game where Baylor is a three-point favorite over K-State. Baylor, of course, coming off the win to OU. Kansas State losing to Texas this week in Manhattan. And it's just not in my DNA to ever pick Baylor. If there's any reason I'm glad OU was going to the SEC, it's because they never have to do business with these people again. Gimme Kansas State plus the three. Kansas at Texas Tech, also a six o'clock game. Tech's a four-point favorite in this one. They're just four and five on the year. Kansas is bowl eligible for the first time since Mark Mangino was coach. Sure, Kansas is drunk. Sure, they have been celebrating ever since beating Oklahoma State this past week. But that won't matter because Tech's just not that good. I'll take Kansas plus the four. All right, Uh, the game I have no idea what to do with this week, which is TCU at Texas. Uh, Didn't think Texas should be favored over K-State. They won. 
I don't really want to pick against TCU because every time I do, they lose. I know the Big 12 needs me to pick against TCU so they can get in the college football playoff. You know what? Screw the Big 12. I will take TCU minus the seven down in Austin. All right. Um, And you know what? I'm going to make that my lock of the week. Lock of the week. Lock it. Book it. TCU over Texas down in Austin. They will cover the seven. OU will beat West Virginia, and they will cover the eight. And Oklahoma State gets back on track this week by beating Iowa State minus the one. That wraps up this week's show. We thank you so much for listening. And um, as I always say, may God bless you and your family. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get to our signing off, okay, which before we get to our signing off, please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Give us four stars. Just tell us what you think we need to do better or tell us what we're doing good. We don't mind the praise and we don't mind the criticism, but five stars, we certainly would appreciate that. Now, I will tell you, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Axl Rose, and this is very appropriate, um, considering what happened last week to both OU and OSU, and because Usual Illusion 1 and 2 are both getting repackaged and re-released this week. So, hey, celebration for Gen X. Nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. We'll talk with you next week.